ready for the interview And if you get a cue live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo, let's have a combo Say what you feel, be real That's the motto Real talk, pronto Doctor D, PhD, hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals Mr. Sean Banks here on Dr. D's Social Network. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful, bro. How are you? I'm great. It's Saturday morning. I'm talking to you. I've been looking forward to this, man. Yeah, yeah, brother. Me too. I'm, I'm excited, man. It's raining out here in Atlanta, but it's but it's sunshine down here in the office. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's beautiful. I, I love, like, when you contacted me, we were chatting and stuff, and I was like, "Man, this story seems amazing. I want the I want people to hear it. Let's yeah. go backwards. Where right. are you from? Let's go the genesis of Sean Banks. Where are we at? Man, I'm originally from Seattle, Washington. Oh my, I'm in Washington yeah. State, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I'm from Seattle, Washington. I grew up in the CD uh, right off of Yesler Street, uh, which uh, you know, grew up in inner city uh, Seattle, Washington. Uh, about in the 80s. Uh, so I remember what it was like before crack hit uh, Seattle, yeah. and what it was like afterwards, and just the, you know, just the changes. And uh, that's part of what inspired my mom to get us out of the projects, uh, and to get us uh, to a better life. And so she worked hard to make that happen. And that's what inspired me to go after my dreams as well. So where did those dreams, what did those dreams start out as initially as you became you know, a young man, adulthood? What did that look like? Uh, well, it started out, my mom used to always, well, she used to always walk me past this car dealership. Uh, it was right off of Pike in Seattle and it was full of these Ferraris and, and Lamborghinis and all this stuff. And she'd always say, you know, you can have one of those. And it was interesting because we were walking. You know, at the time, but she right. go past these spots and say, hey, man, you know, you can have one of these one day. And she started a house cleaning service in Seattle. And one of her first major clients was a Mayor Norm Rice. And he, you know, kind of put her on. They went to high school together in Denver. Okay. And, you know, when she got that account, you know, of course, he put her on his other contacts. And she started cleaning houses uh, off of Mercer Island and in Bellevue and all these huge houses. And so it built a dream. Uh, they were lawyers or doctors, engineers, all these people. And so my initial dream was uh, I wanted to be a business owner. And I always wanted to be in business for myself because my mom was a business owner. My dad was a business owner. And, you know, that was what I wanted to do. So I never thought I would be in, uh, you know, working with youth, though. I mean, how, the youth part, I know it's like, where did that come <laughs> from? Like you said, like, well, I never thought that would be. How did that evolve? Well, I, I never had a passion working with kids, but my mom put me in martial arts when I was about six uh, at the Boys and Girls Club right down the street from Yesler uh, to keep me from getting in trouble. Yeah. And when, so fast forward about 2008, uh, the market changed and a buddy of mine said, hey, look, man, you know, we got to figure out how to make some extra money for ourselves." And because I was in real estate at the time. Yeah. And I said, OK, yeah, you're right. We do. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, man, how about we teach uh, women and children martial arts? And I was like, hey, yeah, that will be that's a good idea. Let's we'll yeah. see if it'll work. Uh, and it actually ended up working for us. Now, the funny story about that or the interesting story uh, is 10 years prior to that time, my aunt and cousin were, were murdered in a domestic violence situation. And I had always said that I was going to do something about that. I could do anything about their death, of course, but I could, you know, help other women and children 
yeah. um, to maybe be able to defend themselves, just at least know to run or do something uh, yeah. to protect themselves. And so it was 10 years until, you know, I started actually teaching the martial arts. And that's when that seed came out of my heart, like, oh, yeah, like, this is something I could do in my family's honor. And, and so that's what happened. And that's where it took off. Oh, my goodness. So what was it like working with like youth? You say you didn't have really a desire. You know, it's interesting when someone doesn't have a desire to work with kids, they generally don't want to be around kids. (laughs) Like, how did that transform into actually working with like, did that passion for children grow in you? Or was it just kind of like, how did that work out? Man, the passion grew. So I was, um, so I was, working at my church and I was actually serving there and they would always put me over in the youth ministry Yeah, and all the time they would put me there and I, and I hated it. <laughs> and I would complain. Hey, Dr. Yeah. Derry, I, I would complain about it all the time. Like, why do you guys have me here? I don't want to work with any kids. It got snot all over the place getting on yeah, my suits. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm like, you're like, who do you think you are? Right. You yeah, yeah. On your suits, right? Um, but that's how I felt. And what happened is I, when I started teaching the martial arts classes, and we were in these classes, and I started seeing that so many young adults, so many young kids were lacking personal development skills. Okay. They didn't have the focus. They were lacking self-confidence. You know, it's like we talk to some parents, you say, well, why do you want your kid in this class? Like, man, I just want him to pick his head up, right? I just want him to believe in himself. And I'm taking it for granted, thinking that all these kids, you know, know to do that. And they didn't. And so it started to really pull at my heartstrings more and more every day that there was such a big need. And, you know, looking at different schools, and it didn't matter whether it was a school on the wealthy side of town or on an impoverished side of town. Yeah. All the kids were facing the same issues. They lacked development. They lacked confidence. They lacked focus. Uh, they were lacking self-efficacy, right? The idea that I can do something, yeah. right? My mom and dad might be great, but I don't know if I can be great. And, and so that was what all the kids were dealing with. And I said, man, you know, we got to do something about it. And that's where it started. Right. Well, so what role does, it sounds like there's kind of a break between the parents and the kids. The kids don't have that feeling. What role do parents play in that, that you perceive they should be doing or do, or do they even need to play a, a larger role than that? What's your thoughts in that in developing the self-efficacy? Um, it, the parent plays the most important role in developing a child's self-efficacy. Of course, second to the child themselves. Right. But until a child can begin to stand on their own, you know, they, they get fed from their parents, right? I mean, just right. in a physical standpoint, a kid can't cook their own meal when they're three, right? So their parents have to feed them. The parent plays the most important role in building a child's self-efficacy in the beginning because children learn, right? And you know this, I mean, children learn the most of what they're going to learn at a young age. Right. So when they can learn that they're great and that they're smart and that they're capable and they can, you know, they're talented, they're handsome, they're beautiful, and that they're unique, and that they're beautiful in their uniqueness, then that creates a child that has an unstoppable attitude on the inside. Like, oh man, my mom thinks I'm great or my grandma or my auntie or whoever's raising them. Man, I really can do this. The the parent plays the most important role. Uh, And and how they do that is through love. And love is spelled T-I-M-E, spending quality time with that child, developing them the best way that the parent knows how. I mean, you don't have to be a child psychologist to raise a great kid um most times it's your own experiences in life that you use to raise a great kid right do you feel like there's a more disconnect between parents and children in today's society or what's your thoughts about that because you know with technology it's a whole conversation with technology and youth where are you where are you at with that and your thoughts 
I think that it I think that, yes, there is a, a greater disconnect in some households or in too many, I'd say, and, mm-hmm. because more times now we have, you know, technology or social media raising the kids, yeah. you know, TVs raising the kids. It has a greater influence, a greater impact than it did, you know, 10, 20 years ago where there was a little bit more structure at home. Now you have more single parent households or you have households where both parents have to work so much uh, that when they get home, a lot of them are just exhausted. Right. I mean, to have to, you know, work, you know, 12 hours and then when you get home, you need to sit with your child for them to read for 20 minutes. Right. It's difficult You know, on top of, you know, cooking their food, getting ready for the next day, you know, trying to spend some time with them. The average American spends about 37 minutes with their child a day. Whoa, I had no clue about 37 minutes. 37. Yeah. 37 minutes (laughs) on average is 37 minutes a day. And, and And it's proven online like it's a statistic. Because, I mean, you spend all your time working, right. spend some time sleeping, right? They're at school. And then when you get home, you have this whole laundry list of things you got to do when you get home. Yeah, so we're true. talking about 37 minutes of uninterrupted time a day is about the amount of time that parents spend with their kids. So, yeah, it's, it's a big deal. Wow. Do, do you know if that's that number has changed from the past or is that that's if it's uh, gotten more time or less time that parents uh, have spent? Well, from what it's showing, it's less time. Uh, it's showing oh, really? that it's, yeah, it's showing that, yeah, that again, less time. Yeah, because, wow. well, what you had before is you had, um, so you had two-parent households where you might have one parent that was at home all day, yeah, right, who worked at home. Um, then you had more, more table time, right, where right. family actually sat down and had dinner. Uh, you had situations where kids would get off of work and then go work with the parent. Right. So there was more quality time going on. Now you have a lot of single parent households where there's one parent that has to do everything. Uh, Or if you have a two parent household, then both parents are doing so much, you know, that they don't have enough time to spend with their kids. And then they're giving them there's more crutches. Right. There's TV. Right. The kids are sitting watching TV. Yeah. Uh, You know, there's social media. And so those things weren't there before. Uh, They're playing using more video game time. I mean, most kids spend two to three hours a day on a video game. Right. right. As opposed to when that wasn't there, then that was outside play that was going to play and doing something with your parents, sitting, talking. So, yeah, yeah, it is a big difference. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the programs you're currently doing right okay. now that yeah. you're very passionate about and that have certainly have grown over time. Let's let's jump into that. All right. Well, we have. So it started with the IM Defense Institute. That was the thing that, that mm-hmm. kicked it all off. From there, we went to Camp Warrior King, which is a youth development camp designed to expose kids to activities that normally wouldn't experience during the school year. And from there, we went to the You Can Have It All Youth Conferences, You Can Have It All Youth Magazine, which is the, <laughs> the only motivational development magazine for children in the world uh, that does what we do, motivating kids uh, through other children. Uh, and then we have the Team Hot Sauce Success Stacks, which build a child's self-efficacy. Uh, and then we have Team Hot Sauce Comics, which there's one of them on my hat, yeah. uh, which is all about motivating kids to go after their dreams. And then, of course, I've written a couple of books on youth development as well. And that's awesome. So what have you learned about yourself in this process of doing this? <laughs> oh, man, I've learned a lot about myself. Uh, one, of the, one of the biggest things that I've learned about myself is that uh, I, I didn't allow my, my mind to get ahead of my heart. And, and what I mean by that is that in my mind, you know, it's like, I want to do business and I want to make money for myself. And, you know, I was just thinking about that. And 
you know, instead I allowed my heart to lead my, my dream is really a passion. Uh, what I'm doing now is really a passion project. And I've been able to make a living for myself by following what was really in my heart. And what was in my heart was to be able to show kids how to develop themselves and to show parents how to teach their kids to develop themselves. Mm. How difficult or is it to work with parents with their children? You know, it's a touchy thing, you know, parents is, are very protective, yeah. you know, they have different, some parent. everybody has different ideas of parenting. How do you approach right. that process? Right. Uh, so what I do is I talk to parents about, um, youth performance development and so okay. i try to stay away from talking to them about how to parent their child as much as i try to talk to them about different skills to get their child performing better because mm. it is a very touchy subject you know and and it's a very personal thing when you start talking about how someone is raising their child yes and and you know as professionals we don't know a child better than a parent does so it's very intrusive to say you shouldn't do that to your kid or you shouldn't say that or you shouldn't. Right. And there's certain things that they know, but, you know, you have to be very careful. So what I do instead is say, hey, look, you know, this is how you build a child's self-confidence. This is how you can improve their focus. OK, you want them to be the best in their school or you want them to be the best version of themselves. These are the things you do to do it. Right. And I try to stay on that side more so than I do getting into um, just actual parenting. Yeah. You know, like, I, like, I don't talk to parents about should they spank their kid or should they not spank uh -huh. their kid, you know, stuff like that. I try sure. to stay away from. Yeah. Has there ever has there ever been some resistance to the message that you're putting out there by some parents? Uh, normally, it's pretty well received. Uh, I think that anybody that that, you know, doesn't like it, just doesn't follow it. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't do it. Right. Yeah. But, they don't do but it. For the most part, it's, it's been pretty well received because uh, we're talking about you know, getting their children to be the best versions of themselves. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like with parents, I'm a parent. It's like, you want what's best for your kids. I mean, most parents, I think, want their children to do well. Right. And, right. and they're willing to maybe invest in things for the children that they maybe wouldn't invest in themselves. Right. For right. That. Right. I see that a lot with the camp. Okay. Um, with, with Camp Worry King, the parents are extremely supportive because they see what the kids are doing. I mean, we have them spelunking, we take them hiking, we yeah. teach them how to shoot, how to fish, how to hunt, you know, they're roller skating, they're boxing. And it's a lot of things that parents just wouldn't have time to do, or they'd have to pay a, a lot, a lot of money yeah. to show their child how to do all these different things. And so you're absolutely right. You know, parents want what's best for their kids and they will make those sacrifices um, for their children that they wouldn't necessarily do for themselves. I'd love to hear like, a rewarding, like one of your most rewarding stories from oh, wow. the work you've done. Like, okay. Yeah. Cool. So, so one recently uh, has been uh, my student uh, Desmond, and he <laughs> it's funny because when he first started at our camp, he's one of those kids that got in trouble all the time. Yeah. Uh, constantly calling his granddad. I mean, one time he broke a window at a church we were in, and uh, like you know, just always into something. Yeah. Um, but over the years, you know, he's always come back. He's continued to grow. Uh, now he's a junior counselor at our camp. And just recently he did uh, an interview for uh, Cameron with Cameron Shell for our youth magazine. And Cameron Shell is a gentleman that uh, put the um, uh, cameras on the space on the International Space Station. Mm -hmm. And he's also responsible for leading the uh, the drone charge with getting drones to you know start shipping your your packages and stuff, uh, you know, to your house. And so that was really, really cool just to see that development. And we'll be in Vegas in a couple of weeks uh, with Cameron and those guys at the computer 
Consumer yeah. Electronic Show. Yes. There you go yes. in Vegas, uh, where he's going to have a chance to interview Cameron and do some real cool stuff with the drones and see a, uh, the drone uh, racing league and all that stuff. And so that's a, a story that I'm really proud of because a lot of the kids that we had pulled to write for the magazine were part of the camp and just about all of them quit except for Desmond. And wow. so it was a real testament to his character and his ability to stick with it, uh, his parents, you know, supporting him. And so we're really excited about that. Yeah. Wow, that's a great story. That's really yeah. amazing. Yeah. Where does Atlanta fit into this? You're in Seattle. You're in Washington yeah. State. How did you get to Georgia? Uh, well, my mom was like, we're moving to Atlanta. Oh, she, we're out of yeah. here, man. We're, we're out of here, man. We're out of here. It's a big move. Big move. It was a big move, man. Uh, she decided to move to Atlanta back in the early 90s. Okay. And, uh, you know, it was just she and I, when we, we left, my sister was on, gone in college. My dad decided to split and go down to California. And uh, we went to Atlanta. We actually hitched a ride with a special forces uh, officer that was going to Fort Bragg in North Carolina. Wow. And uh, so he helped drive the truck uh, most most of the, took three days and he drove the truck yeah. uh, while we rode and he's, you know, we slept. And that's how we got down to Atlanta. And, you know, and life just started over from there. I went to middle school and here, high school, and then went to college, University of Alabama. Uh, and, but yeah, everything kind of, that's how I got down here. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, where did, how did that, like I moved a lot growing up and as an adult too, and I'm like, okay, I'm in Washington. That's a huge move. You're <laughs> like going, <laughs> yeah man yeah it was a big difference man and it was a culture shock for me um it was a co I, I had never seen i mean i grew up in the cd in seattle yeah for the first half of my life and it was predominantly black but there was a lot of culture in seattle i mean right. seattle's a huge melting pot it really is when i got down to atlanta in the early <laughs> 90s it was right around like when outcast came out in yeah TLC. yeah Hey man, I was nervous. I had never seen so many black people before in my life. It just <laughs> place, and I was—it was like culture shock because it was just like, wait a minute, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I mean, because I mean, in Seattle, uh, you know, when I was growing up, I mean, there were gangs, there was all kind of stuff yeah. going on in Atlanta. You know, I'm sure they had gangs, but it wasn't like how the Crips and the Bloods were growing sure. up as kids. It was a big difference. So, man, it was—I was nervous, like, oh my god, um, but it was just a big culture shock for me. It was a big change, but it was a beautiful thing. Man, it's awesome. I, you know, what's funny. I think I probably moved there the same exact time you did is I moved to Georgia oh, wow. in the nineties. Okay. I was, I was in a military family. Mm. Uh, my dad was in for 28 years. And uh, at one point we were stationed at Fort Stewart in Savannah, yeah. Georgia. Fort yeah. Stewart. And I was there for like, I think eighth grade in my freshman year of high school. Okay. Down in Richmond Hill, way deep South Georgia. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking deep backwoods georgia yeah you're talking cotton fields right yeah, yeah and i'm telling you and so <laughs> this is the crazy so you move from seattle down to, to washington georgia i moved from germany to georgia wow. it was crazy <laughs> oh, it wow. was nuts <laughs> it was like no what is this place <laughs> it was like the twilight zone right <laughs> yeah i was like this is like too much for me like this is yes, like sir. crazy so i get that whole when you're saying the outcasts, and I was like, oh man, I remember that time, like Goody Mob, outcasts. Yep. I was like, yep. oh my gosh, this is like, <laughs> this is my time period, man. That's right. That's right. But just the, just how different the South was at that time. Yeah. Um, and some places still are, but just how different it was. I mean, it's just like, it's like, wow. It was like being in a whole different world. It was like, yeah. wow. 
and they would I would get teased a lot. They would say I talked funny. Oh and, yeah. <laughs> and I would say, well, you know, if I talk funny, you guys really talk funny. I can't understand. <laughs> I can't understand what you're saying at all. <laughs> I had the same thing. I was like, this. You know, it was funny because I was in Germany. It was a huge melting pot we were at in Nuremberg, Germany, on a military base. You know, every type of person is in the military. I mean, right. you're getting people from all over the world. Right. And then I moved to a place where the, the only thing was black people and white people. That's right. No That's in between. And it was strange because all the black people didn't look like me. They right. Were very dark skin, like very yep. dark skin. So I came in. And I was, nobody knew what to do with me. They're like, right. who are you? you right. know, like, this dude's not white. He's, right. I guess he's black, but he's light-skinned, you know? Like, they never right. see, you didn't see, didn't see, see light-skinned people like in deep uh, South Georgia, you know? And, you I remember, and I remember I was sitting at the lunch table with a dude, he was with his, his uncle and they were the same age. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> How does this work? How does right. that work? Right. How, how, did, how did that happen? It's how like, does this happen? I was like, you know, and yeah. I got exposed to like people living literally in shacks on dirt roads yep. and stuff. I had never seen anything like that in my yep. entire life. It was such a cultural mind blow, you know? And it's something. It's something. And Georgia's something. a different place, man. It's a. It is. It is. How, and when you, when you go from Georgia and then you got Alabama and then you have Mississippi. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and, and and so then it's like it's levels to it, you know what I mean? When you go from Georgia to Alabama to Mississippi, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, and I we know what that Ooh. means, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. We, we know what that means. Everybody, yeah, like, wait yeah. a minute, what's the no, we know what that means, oh, yeah, <laughs> like, it's a big difference, boy. <laughs> so, you were so Atlanta, how has Atlanta changed from the 90s to now? Uh, just in general, and then talk about with with the youth and, and helping youth. How has, has that changed at all? Yeah. Uh, well, Atlanta has changed tremendously from the time. I mean, it's it's a melting pot now. Okay. Uh, more, I mean, times over than what it was when I was when I was growing up uh, in Atlanta. It's a lot more diversity. Uh, mm. It's a lot more spread out. Uh, there's a lot more acceptance, a lot more inclusion uh, in, in Georgia, especially especially in Atlanta. Uh, you mm -hmm. see with the last election uh, that, you know, Georgia is more of a purple state now than even, right. you know, red or blue, uh, which shows the transition uh, in Georgia, which I think is great. Um, there's, I mean, there's so many beautiful people, man, and just the the vibe is good, right? The Southern mm -hmm. hospitality is still here, uh, but you definitely get the influences from other places around the world. There's all kind of great places to eat, man. Oh, sure. <laughs> I mean, if you're, try, if you're trying to lose weight, Atlanta's not the place to come. <laughs> um, not the spot. When, nah, man, nah. Um, you know, when it comes to the kids, I mean, of course, you know, there's a lot of great places where there's a lot of great kids doing great things all over the yeah. state of Georgia. Um, you know, educationally, you know, competitively, sports, you know, they're, they're doing a great job. Uh, at the same time, you still have those pockets and areas where the children are being influenced, uh, you know, drugs, gangs, you know, all that stuff yeah. is still going on. Um, and, you know, it's uh, I think that you're seeing a, a larger disparity between, you know, kids that are moving forward and kind of keeping up with the times as far as technology and things. Yeah. And then there's this group of kids that are getting caught up in uh, what's going on in the world. Right. They're being yeah. impacted by the people they admire on social media or on TV or just in their community. Uh, and so you're seeing the violence on the television. You're seeing, um, 
you know, the educational um, proficiency, you know, yeah. decrease, you know, in some of the kids. And so that's still going on. So there's still a lot of work to do. Is there a lot of work that you do or maybe consulting with kids as they move, potentially go to college and things like that? Or is it primarily like younger children? Uh, so I work with kids as they go into college, especially the kids that are coming out of our program. Mm -hmm. We try to stay in contact with them as much as possible. Uh, I do some workshops and stuff with young adults that are in college, trying to get them to continue to go after whatever that dream is, mm -hmm. right? And to keep them competitive, right? Because it's it's a world economy now. I mean, you're not yeah. competing against somebody else in another city next door. You're competing with kids from around the globe. And so you have to be ready for that. And you have to know what's going on. And we tell kids all the time, you know, look, you, you need to know what career you want yeah. <laughs> a little sooner than before. You can't say you mm -hmm. want to be a cab driver in an Uber environment, right? I mean, yeah. even being an Uber driver it, right now is right. short-lived because in a minute, they'll be automated. I mean, it's driving, man. Yep. man. You already see it, right? All these commercials. So, you know, you have to be cutting edge and you have to continue to uh, adjust and know what it is you want to do. What are the dreams that young people in your experience are reaching for these days? I feel like I'm out of touch with that in a sense, like, you know, you're working with a lot of kids. How, what, yeah. what are they shooting for? You know, we were growing up, oh, wow. it was a different dream about things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of kids now, I mean, you hear a lot of them talk about they want to be gamers or gaming oh, designers. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you hear a lot of gaming designers. Um, a lot of them want to be engineers or getting like building robots. Uh, I think a lot more kids are getting into, you know, just wanting to do tech. Uh, wanting to be involved with tech and space and everything that's happening. Are uh, you seeing that a lot? Of course, you know, you have kids that still want to be doctors and lawyers and teachers and, and all the, uh, you know, careers that, you know, were around when we were kids. Yeah. But you still, but now you're getting a lot of kids that want to get into, you know, the tech stuff. You know, um, there's a drone program, Dragonfly, uh, that's doing a push to get more kids between the ages of kindergarten and 12th grade into drones because that is a huge, 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 um, pool that they're going to need pilots for because wow. these drones are well because it's just like you know the drones are used for war right overseas they use them for war but then you have drones that are used for every part of life now so they're right. carrying um you know supplies back and forth from oil rigs right well that pilot to fly that drone is different than a pilot that is going to do like a search and rescue mission out in the woods yeah right and that pilot is different than a pilot needed to go and do um, to survey land for a forest fire. And so there's at least 100,000 jobs that are going to be needed in the next couple of years for people that are flying drones, right? Um, and that's pretty much flying it from, I can't remember the acronym, but from a different location, right? So they're in a station somewhere else and they're flying that drone on a, another part of the country somewhere wow. and actually doing that job. Yeah. So that's some of the pushes that are coming from tech and the kids are into it because they're playing video games. So they <laughs> yeah. already... You know, they already know how to do all this. They're already doing it anyway. They're already yeah. doing it. Yeah. Wow. Is there anybody, any kids are like, have a dream of being artists? You know, maybe, maybe not. You know, I feel like art sometimes always kind of gets pushed to the back. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, you, you're going to be a struggling artist. You know, you're going to be doing all this. There's still, I mean, my daughter's a huge artsy person. Like, uh -huh. I wonder what that art future looks like for her, you know, like stuff like that. I think it's going to be great. Uh, I think the, the need for art is going to be great the, because art is so much a part of a culture that you can't really have culture and have cultural richness without art. Yeah. Um, because art pretty much defines the time that we're in, what's going on. It's an expression. Uh, and so when you start talking about art, you have different kinds of art now, right? So you have like NFTs, 
that are, that are huge that is rapidly expanding. Right. So there, the need and desire for art is great. It's going to continue to be there. Um, the co-founder of Airbnb just donated $100,000 a year um, to one of the high schools out in Gwinnett, to Brookwood High School, to their art department. Oh, that's um, great. So that kids can have more of the things they need for art because art is that big of a deal. So I think yeah. that for the future for art, I mean, it's going to be great. It's just, what does it look like, right? What yeah. is art going to look like, you know, 10, 20 years from now, as opposed to, you know, what it looks like now. But I still think people will want, you know, pieces of art in their house, right? Yeah. I, I don't think that's going to go away at all. Do you think kids are different now? than they were when we were growing up and like in their maturity level and how their, their nuanced things they have, or you feel it's a very similar child. Uh, I think, I think the parents are different. Uh, oh, I think okay. Yeah, the parents are different. The children are the same, right? I mean, children, you know, the children are, are the same. They're coming out the same, right? A, a child with a brain and yeah. needing to be loved and to learn. The parents are different. Um, the, the parenting styles have changed the parenting dynamics have changed mm -hmm. uh things that were you know traditionalism is not what it used to be it is you know in a lot of ways traditional households are gone and you know and then you have and that's both good and bad right so right. traditionalism isn't always the best way for a future a lot of times it, it, it's stifling uh, right. and we see that we see that a lot now where people push their traditional views on the way that children are learning yeah. or the way that the households are. And so parents are, ha, have changed. Parenting has changed. The parenting child has changed. Parenting style has changed. Yeah. And so that's why we see some of the changes in, in the kids. I don't think that the kids are necessarily, you know, worse. Um, it's just the situations are different. You know, 50 years ago, a kid would go to school and then go out into a field and work or have to go right. work in a, in a, in a steel mill or something like that. Yeah. Whereas now that's not there. So of course a kid's not going to be as tough as, you know, a seven-year-old <laughs> 1960, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's just a little, it's a little different, right? Yeah. Just, so I think the times and the parents have changed. Yeah. Yeah. That toughness thing is interesting to me actually, because like there's almost a sense that kids are growing up in a technological world where that's making life easier for them mm -hmm. and adults too. So right. how do you ride that line between developing this grittiness, this toughness versus the convenience of living at the same time? You know? Right. Uh, you continue to push the, and that's where that traditionalism that where it comes into play, right? Where you yeah. continue to push the values, right? The values of work ethic still need to be there. So you know, no, there's not going to be a robot that's going to clean your room. You're going to clean <laughs> your room, right? Um, there's not going to be a robot that's going to sweep the floors all the time. Yeah. You're going to do that, right? That little, the little circle robot that can yeah, go all yeah. around, right? Right? No, 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 no. That's you, son. That's, you. that's definitely <laughs> that you. Yep. You're going to take out the trash. It's right. So it's continuing, continuing to do um, those things that will continue to have those kids to have that sense of work ethic or grittiness, if you will. It's, it's instilling those values. It's, you know, hey, you might have somebody that comes and cuts your, that landscapes your yard. Yeah. Uh, but hey, sometimes you might want to have your kids do it to learn that principle, right? Because they learn so much and just being out and cutting the grass, being in the grass, they'll learn the value of work ethic or whatever, yeah. or having them go do community service. Uh, I think that all those things are really important. Technology has made it real easy for us. But at the same time, I, I don't know if it's necessarily better all the time 
yeah. that it's easier. Uh, for example, you have this high tech, high touch challenge and technology is great for what it does, but there's nothing like human, human interaction, right? There's nothing like a kid having to have that experience of saying, do you want to buy these cookies? And somebody yeah. saying, no, I don't want right. your cookies. <laughs> I don't, I don't no. want your, I don't like your lemonade. Yeah. I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. right? That, that feeling of having to, you know, pick themselves back up and yes. keep going is extremely important. Yeah, I think so. It's, and then, so people like have to keep those values instilled in children. Yeah. It's just always this push pull to have more DoorDash, Uber Eats, right. you know, it's, humans don't want to go backwards. And right. it's not like they're trying to create more right. manual labor. Humans right. are trying to have the path of least resistance. Always. <laughs> like, so it's a challenge to like have resist. Even having resistance is a challenge sometimes. Absolutely. We're trying to almost take it out of society in some way, you know? Right. Yeah. No, we are. And, and so it's, but it's understanding that the, you know, we're not necessarily going back when we do some of those, we'll just say traditional things, right? Like just sure. cooking. For example, we're not going back. We are we're maintaining those values that need yeah. to be there. If, you know, because yeah, it's, it's great to just get Uber Eats or something when it's like, man, I'm retired and, you know, man, yeah. I don't have to cook. Let's just order something <laughs> real fast. And it, and it was always designed to be for a convenience. It was never designed to be a staple. Right. It's like every right. single day, right. this is what you're doing. But like you said, we don't want to go back to, you know, doing that. But it, we have to maintain that sense of, doing those things because it makes a big difference if not your kid will never know how to cook right <laughs> that, <happens a> lot. <laughs> that, that, that was a lot <laughs> i mean a lot man a lot of these kids yeah. don't know how to cook anything like, anything no matter all a lot of them <laughs> a lot yeah they, yeah they don't i mean and and they got to learn how to do it because there's you know it's it's character building it's fun it it right is. It, get, it gets them into something different you talk about ways for parents to spend time with their kids cool way to do it is hey look we're gonna let's cook a meal together tonight yeah let's make yep. some cookies let's make a cake right all, instead of we yeah we can always go to the store and just get a cake or we can yeah. get an instacart order and get the cake sent to the house but let's do it together and one of the things that kids love more than anything is the memory right yes That's in their mind the memories of doing it. i mean i remember baking cakes yeah. with my dad i remember when we went and you know we went fishing together and neither one of us knew how to fish but it was so much fun trying to yeah. figure out how to get the worm on the hook right all those things built memories and especially and then using the technology to support that dream for example mm. how cool would it have been when we were kids to be able to have videotape and pictures of all of our experiences yeah Right. We didn't have that. I mean, you had to, you know, you had the little camera, you had to turn and click. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, I remember. Yeah. You know, but if you could have all those experiences, I mean, that's that's really leaving a lasting legacy that one day your kids are gonna have this whole dossier of all these cool experiences yep. that they had. And not only will it be in their mind, but they'll be able to go back and look at the video because technology makes that possible, right? To be able to see your smile, your laugh. Oh, I remember yeah. that fell in the water and, and all that's there. Yep. Yeah, it makes a big difference. You're right. It's powerful. My daughter said something to me the other day. She's 10. We were, she hadn't used this toy or whatever for a long time. I said, oh, we're uh -huh. going to you know, give it Salvation yeah. Arm, whatever. She's like, right. no, no, it's the memory of the <laughs> It's she's, exactly when you said they hit me, it's just like, I just remember us going to get it. Yep. And it made me feel something. And I was like, yep. she's right. The memory is the more memory. 
is more powerful than the actual object. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that that's what, I mean, that is what makes children stronger. And that's also what tears kids down, right? I mean, a mm. lot of like the cycle of abuse, right? Children that are abused tend to abuse other people. Right. For the same reason, because of the memory. They remember what happened to them. And so they do it to others, right? It's just the same thing. Hurt people, hurt people. That's right. So when kids have positive memories and you can build those positive memories, that's more important than having 20 pairs of LeBrons. Yeah. Right? Right. I mean, they're not going to remember all those no. shoes, but they're going to remember the, they'll remember the experience of going to get the LeBrons yep. and your credit card being declined <laughs> and, and everybody yeah. laughing out loud. Right. They'll remember that more than the yeah. actual purchase and getting the shoe. Yeah. Right? And so it's those experiences. It's the memory that makes a big difference. And you're so right, man. And I, I didn't, sometimes, sometimes I did, I get disconnected about that part. But it's true. Everything that I remember growing up is all a memory yeah. of all these things, you know, of of landing in Philadelphia from Germany and then going down to Georgia and experiencing <laughs> just the I'm thinking of all the other. Yeah. I mean, this was back was like when cross colors was in, you know, and stuff like that. People yeah. wearing their stuff backwards, yep. you know, like crisscross yep. and stuff. I was like. I just, I don't remember on? any of the clothes like so much, but I remember different m memories of that, you know, right. it's powerful right. to have that. Right. Man, man, that, that yeah. spoke to me big time. Yes, sir. <laughs> like, <laughs> so how, yes, sir. like with the people, with, with the kids you're working with, is it, is the demographic more black youth or is it uh, a melting pot of children generally that you're working with? Oh, that's a melting pot of children. That's awesome. That I work man. with. It's a melting pot of children. Uh, the our youth camp is predominantly black, mm -hmm. uh, but with some of the other things that we do, we have a good, good, good mixture of kids. So, uh, how much responsibility do you feel as a black man in helping other black youth uh, have the accomplish these dreams that that you're talking about? Uh, I, I I find it to be a huge responsibility um, for. Well, and really for, for, for youth of all colors, because yeah. the, for black youth, it's special because they need to see as many positive black men as possible. Yes. Right. They need to see more of us in all shapes, sizes, colors, backgrounds, everything they yes, need sir. to see us. Right. And then for other cultures of children, it's the exact same thing. Yeah, they need they need to see us because what they tend to see on TV or social media or whatever tends to be more more times than what I would like is negative. Right. Yeah. The perception yeah. uh, of us uh, tends to be skewed in one way for whatever reason. Right. And so to be on a grassroots level, to be able to say, hey, you know, you can do it to look at a kid that has a totally different race, totally different background that may not have even come in contact with the black man in this way yeah. and to look at them in their face and say, Hey man, you're going to be okay. You can do it. Yeah. You, know, you can have whatever it is that you want in life or, Hey, look, man, you know, get up off your butt and go make this happen. Yeah. Um, to be able to have that impact on their life is, is a great responsibility. And so you have to be, it's very humbling. Um, especially because of something that I didn't want to do in particular when I started. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, you know, Okay, here we are. So how do yep. we do it that really impacts them in a good way? Um, and you have to be patient and you have to really, you have to know your stuff. You know, you have to really yeah. know your stuff because, you know, with children, you know, 
again, it's that memory. You know, we all remember when people have said hurtful things to us when we were younger. Yeah. And you tend to remember those more than you do the positive things. And so it's like we have to be, it's a big responsibility to make sure we're saying the right things and doing the right things. Most definitely. So where do you see your programs going in the future? Like you, as you look forward, what visions or goals do you have for the work that you're doing? Oh, man. Uh, so with the youth magazine, I want the magazine in, in, on every single continent. I mean, I, I, yeah. penguins can read it if they know how to read, man. Um, Antarctic, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. Um, I want I want the magazine all over the world because the magazine motivates children to go after their dreams. And, you know, motivation is a universal language. No matter where you are in the world, everybody wants to feel good about themselves. They want to be happy regardless of their situation or their culture. And so it's really important that we get the magazine around the globe. And so that's something that I'm really big on because you know it's funny because like Whitney Houston said the children are the future man and if we can get them to continue to be positive and headed in a positive direction and believe in themselves you know that one kid that takes something out of the magazine has it on their wall and that motivates them to get through whatever situation they're going through in life then we're doing the right thing and so that that's where I see uh see us going is just getting getting everywhere around the world man getting in these households on the coffee tables uh, or on the on the out of the on the video game stand, wherever. Video games. Yeah, <laughs> in their yeah. yeah, in their phone next to Call know. of Duty or something. Right, <laughs> like, next to Call of Duty, right? It's like yeah, Minecraft. Guys and then yeah. read about being inspired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man, that's great. I mean, you you seem like just such a you exude this great energy, Sean. Yes, sir. I love yes, it. Like it just this. As soon as we came on, we clicked on, you're like, yo, (laughs) I love that. I love that energy that it's infectious, man. I feel like you're doing that here with somebody you haven't met. You're definitely doing it amazing (laughs) with all these kids, you know, and parents. And so uh, I commend you for the great work you're doing, man. Thank you. It's special to know someone like you. Seriously, it's it's an honor to be chatting with you. It really is. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. We got to do this again. Yes. Yeah. Yes, most definitely. I would love to do it again. I I mean, I love having these conversations. Get to talk with people from all over the planet. Yeah. 400 plus episodes. The the interviews just keep coming, man. Just popping another one, another one. (laughs) Pow. Every single industry you could think of and type of great. It's amazing. It's it's an education for me. I get to learn. Yeah. About all these things that I don't know anything about. That's great. I get to arm myself with information. Right. Which is powerful. Is powerful. Yeah. And I learned that growing up, you know, and and living a lot of different places. Mm -hmm. And like that move you made from Washington, Atlanta, that was an important move, man. Yeah. It did something, (laughs) you know, it's just that process of not being just trying the adventure of something different, starting something new. Your mom, I'm going to do this. Yep. I'm going to create something. Man, that's powerful when you create something, you know, no matter what it is, you know. Very. That's right. You're right, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love Very. that stuff. I really do. Sean, it's, right it's been an absolute pleasure, man. I will definitely get you back on for sure. But please Thank have you. an awesome rest of your day. And please let everybody know they can get everything, find your, your work that you're doing with kids. Please do the spiel, man. Hey, so thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, and to find me on Instagram is the best way to connect with me. My IG is SF Dreams Big. Uh, that's my Instagram handle. That's to DM me, contact me right on IG. 
for everything else, for the magazine, for the conferences, the the orphanage, which is something that's really important to wow. us. Um, you can go to the website is YCHIAMAG.com. That stands for You Can Have It All Magazine.com. So if you type in You Can Have It All Magazine, it'll pop right up. Awesome. And that's, that's, that's the best way that's to get in great. contact with us. Well, yeah. thank you, Sean, so much. I hope you have an awesome rest of your Saturday, man. Hey, I plan to, man. You do the same. You got it.